0: You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Let's come on. Let's give it another round of applause to those kids. Great job. Appreciate them. Well, I get to uh, continue our series in joy today, our a series called Joy in the book of Philippians. And uh, before we jump in too far, let's look at our memory verse for this series. Uh, as you know, if, or maybe you don't know if you're new with us, every series we do has a memory verse that we're all working on together as a church. And so let's do that. We'll leave it on the screen the first time, and then the second time we'll take it off and see how we do. All right, so uh, you can cheat this time. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, okay? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Good job, all right. Now for the real test. Let's take it off the screen and see how you do this time. But I want to say to you, as you do it this time, as you're trying to memorize it and trying to think of what the next word is um, kind of get outside of that and just let the words of it flow over you because there's powerful words in this verse okay so even if you don't get it all just listen and let it just pour over you this morning okay so let's do it again philippians 4 6 and 7 do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Great job, guys. Very good. Our prayer for this series, so every series also has a prayer, and our prayer for this series is, Lord, let the joy of the Lord be my strength. I hope that you're praying that with us in unity as a church body. All right, let's jump into Philippians, um, a book, or really a letter, Um, that has been nicknamed the letter of, anyone want to guess? Joy, Joy. yes, the letter of joy. Uh, As we talked about last week, joy and happiness are two very different things, okay? Very different experiences. So let me share with you a few things that make me happy, okay? The first one will be up here on the screen. Uh, This is my wife, Heather. She makes me extremely happy. I love her dearly. I told her yesterday that I think that I can only name maybe two or three times in our entire marriage that I've been frustrated at her. Uh, and um, I don't know that she can return that same uh, sentiment, but uh, I just she makes me so happy. Uh, here's the next picture. My kids uh, make me so happy. They are an absolute mess, but I love them dearly. Uh, they make me so happy. Uh, here's the third one for you. Uh, the beach, Anybody? beach makes me so happy. Uh, Just, I relax, I love it, it just, I could live there, I could stay there. Um, And then the next one, uh, hummingbirds. Anybody like hummingbirds? Love hummingbirds. I have a plethora of hummingbird feeders on the back porch and I could just sit out there all day and watch them. It just makes me so happy to to see them. I haven't seen them, I've seen one this year so far and he's been real sporadic. So hopefully they're coming coming soon. Uh, And then here's another one. Santa makes me happy. Uh, Alright, and then the next one here, uh, my dog Marnie, my little girl Marnie, she makes me happy. Uh, she, um, she is a um, German Shepherd mixed with a Corgi, so she has a German Shepherd body and three inch legs. She's an interesting little dog there. I love her to death. Okay, she makes me happy, and then uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but an empty email inbox makes me happy. Uh, this is not mine because I don't have one Uh, but I dream of the day one day of having that had to go online and even pull that picture uh, because it's not my email anybody have an empty email inbox in the room yeah Uh, and then here's the last one for you this one makes me really happy we put a challenge out there at Crossroads for a matching donation in the month of April for $25,001 Uh, And uh, Crossroads, you guys blew past that and you raised over $30,000 in the month of April. Um, And uh, that doesn't even include the last few days, which I don't even know what that will be. Um, But I also want to say something else that makes me really happy. Crossroads, you've already raised over $100,000 towards the big give, incredible. Um, and so if you're, if you're new here, that, uh, our, our Big Give initiative, the funds that come in for the Big Give go directly out of here. Every single penny goes towards helping our neighbors in Nicaragua. It gives us an opportunity to say yes when they ask. The school says what their needs are, we say yes. When Nicaragua says what their needs are, we say yes. Thrive Peninsula says what their needs are, we say yes. Uh, so it's a great opportunity for us to do that. In fact, Crossroads, we sent a check to Thrive on Giving Tuesday, As a matching donation from the Big Give of $10,000, and Thrive was able to raise $55,000, and your matching donation as a church made a huge impact on that for Thrive as they help people in crisis. So great stuff. Makes me really happy. Um, But happiness and joy are very different. The weatherman um, may make the bad uh, call on what the beach day is actually going to be like. Santa might just bring the wrong present, okay? Okay. Uh, the hummingbirds might not show up. I'm hopeful that they will. They might not show up. Um, my dog, Marnie, uh, she might go outside and roll in something dead, which makes me very unhappy. Anybody? Uh, you know, my, my kids can do things that make me unhappy. My empty email box will fill up again one day. So happiness really depends on external things. Joy is internal. It's based on a relationship with Jesus. Happiness comes and goes based on the circumstances of our lives that are always changing joy comes from Jesus who never changes (laughs) never changes and and joy doesn't just happen it's a choice and that's what we're going to talk about today the message title today is choosing joy it's a choice we're going to talk about that together looking at Philippians chapter 2 starting in verse 1 anybody need some joy today anybody All right, let's go, Philippians chapter two, verse one. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, Paul says, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul is calling this church in Philippi to uh, unity. He's calling them to unity. He's asking them to make his joy complete by being people of unity, of love, of humility. He's calling them towards that. And he's saying, when that happens, my joy is complete. I want to say Crossroads, just so grateful for you, a church that is united, a church that has compassion, a church that loves one another. It makes my joy complete, and I know that it probably does for many of you too. And then he goes on to... A couple warnings here, he lays out, you know, as he's talking about joy, he lays out these two things that really kill our joy. We'll call them joy killers. He lays them out, see if you can pick up them as we read verses three and four. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Did you pick up the joy killers there? Uh, so the first one is selfish ambition. Uh, we'll call that living to impress. Our joy is destroyed. Our joy is destroyed when we live our lives to impress others. All right, it, 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 we see this play out. Our, we we try to impress people by the car with cars that we drive, the um, the clothes that we wear, the decisions that we make. Unfortunately, cars rust and fashion changes. And, uh, and the things that impress our neighbors today don't impress our neighbors tomorrow. And so there's this vicious cycle of, of trying to live our lives to impress others, this unquenchable desire. And it's a rat race that will kill your joy, if you've ever experienced that. Second joy killer he talks about there is vain conceit. Living for applause is what I call it. Vain conceit, living for applause. We've, we see this everywhere in our culture today. It's even a Lady Gaga song from not too long ago. I live for the applause, 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 I live for the applause. Um, This need for approval, like, like me, follow me, promote me, it is killing the joy of people. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody post something on social media, like, I just can't do it anymore, and that's all they put there. And, And everybody rushes in, you know, to what's wrong, what's wrong, and they never answer, are you okay? It's like, I, if I'm doing awesome, I need your approval. If I'm doing awful, I need your approval. Social media has turned, um, turned life into, look at me, this preoccupation with ourselves. And as that grows, our, our joy dies. As narcissism grows, our joy dies. And I just want to say this is natural and normal for us to fight against these things to live to impress, to live for the applause. But God calls us to something much better, something that's different, something that's not normal. And if those things are joy killers, then where can we find our joy? That's what we're going to go to next. So if those are joy killers, let's look at joy anchors. Let me be as clear as I can with you today. Our joy is anchored in Jesus Christ. I'll make that as clear as I can. Our joy is anchored in Jesus Christ, when we choose Jesus Christ. I saw a poll this week of, um, it was a poll of the, the different states in the United States, from the happiest to the least happy. Uh, which state do you think in the United States is the happiest state? Canada, Hawaii. Hawaii? Someone said Canada. Um, uh, anyone, any other ones? Florida? Okay, yeah, those are all great choices. Um, uh, the, the number one state, happiest state, according to this poll, was Hawaii, all right? Virginia falls in at number 11, so zero being completely unhappy, zero percent, and 100% being complete, ultimate happiness. Hawaii's happiness percentage is 66.3%, which is crazy to me. So 66.3% of the people in Hawaii are happy. And the last time I checked, a 66.3% is still an F, all right? <laughs> Poor West Virginia, 33%, number 50 of the 50 states. And this poll is based on external things like how much money do you have and um, like your, your health and your, what are your work environments like. Guys, I'm telling you, we need something better than this. We need something better than this. And it comes in a man named Jesus Christ. Let me prove it to you. You might want to take some notes on this because this is good. Remember when when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, and she uh, goes to visit a relative named Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with uh, a baby named John the Baptist. Or we, you know, we let's just call him John because I don't know that they knew him to be that at that time. But John the Baptist is what we know him as. Well, the Bible says that when when Mary walked into the room and she greeted Elizabeth. Listen to what it says. As soon as the sound of Mary's greeting reached Elizabeth's ear, the baby in her womb leaped for joy. In the presence of of Jesus, the baby in the womb of Elizabeth leaped for joy. When Jesus was born, remember the angels appeared to the shepherds and said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause... Great joy for all people. And Jesus was no glum stick in the mud. His enemies often accused him of being a little too joyful on different occasions. One of my favorite verses of Jesus is Luke 7:34. "The Son of Man came eating and drinking." Don't you love that? Uh, and he was accused in those moments of being a little too joyful. Jesus described himself as a bridegroom enjoying a wedding feast in Mark chapter 2. Wow. If you've ever been to a, a reception at a wedding, the joy that's, that's there. John 15, 11, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love that verse. Jesus is saying, I want my joy to be in you so that you can have a lifetime supply of it. Joy is reflected in many of the parables that Jesus told, including the three stories in Luke chapter 15 of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, which, re- which mention rejoicing in the presence of the angels. A joyful shepherd, a joyful woman, and a joyful father. The early church was characterized by gladness and the joy of the Lord, where it says in Acts 2, the, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad hearts. In Acts 13, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, it says. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So when the the Spirit moves into our lives, when we give our lives to Jesus and the Spirit moves in, so does joy. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8 says that in Christ we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. With Jesus, even in the hard times, when we think that our joy would be decreased, in the hard times, our joy actually increases. Paul and Silas is an example of that. Paul talked about that. Pastor Paul talked about that. As they were in prison and they sang songs and worshipped while in prison. The apostles in Jerusalem were arrested twice and ordered not to continue teaching or they would lose their life. They didn't listen. And they were beaten and unfazed as they returned home. And this is what it says. They were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. The name. And they were ready to preach some more too, by the way. We know that as children of God, that no one can snatch us away from him. John chapter 10. We are heirs to an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. We know in revelation how the whole thing ends that brings great joy. The joy of the Lord may be hard for people to understand who do not possess it, but for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, the joy of the Lord comes as naturally as grapes come to a vine because we are connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I could say it any clearer than that. Our joy comes from Jesus, so choose Jesus, choose Jesus. Then secondly, our, we learn from, from Paul here, is that our joy is anchored when we choose to be like Jesus. When we experience true joy, it has to be expressed, it has to come out of us, it cannot be contained in any way. Joy comes from Jesus and it's anchored in our lives when we are like Jesus and we become like Jesus. So choose Jesus and choose to be like Jesus, and you'll have incredible joy. That's where Paul goes next. Three quick things. We choose joy when we think less of ourselves and more of others. Verse three: do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? This is so countercultural. If you want to see your joy killed, then live to impress, live, uh, live for the applause. But if you want incredible joy, live like Jesus. By the way, I am very qualified to speak about this because I am a man who can be full of pride. Full of pride. Um, I hate my pride, don't you? I hate my pride. It usually happens like this for me sometimes. I'll just give you one example. Uh, Sunday, uh, I'll walk out of here and many of you will tell me, great sermon, pastor, that was great, good job, good sermon. And I'll get in my truck and I'll start heading home and I'll start thinking, that was a good sermon. That was good, especially when I talked about that one thing, when I said that one thing, that was incredible, that was great. And then I'll have this moment where it's like, hold on, that's a prideful thought, don't don't think like that, hate your pride. I'll confess my pride, I'll say I don't wanna be that, I don't wanna have that kind of pride. And then 10 seconds later, I'm like, all right. I wonder if everybody else around me is so aware of their pride like I am. You know, I wonder if they fight their pride as hard as I fight my pride. And then I'm becoming prideful about my awareness of my pride, okay? Has this happened to anybody else besides me? (laughs) So I am qualified to speak about those things, and those kinds of things completely kill my joy. In fact, even the statement, think of ourselves less is a flawed statement because by thinking of ourselves less, oftentimes we begin to think, we, we end up thinking about ourselves more just in the process of trying to do that. So the problem of pride, I think, doesn't boil down to whether we think of ourselves more or less we have to replace that obsession with ourselves with an obsession with God and who he is. That's the only way around it. And so my prayer for all of us is, Lord, help us to have a, you know, an ever everlasting, worshipful, uh, overly worshipful, overwhelming, um, worshipful experience and knowledge of who you are. And by doing that, by recognizing who he is and being just Overwhelmed by him and who he is then all of a sudden our pride goes down and we begin to be more like him And we see people the way that he sees them. Does all of that make sense? Less obsessed with myself and way more obsessed with him and then things begin to get kind of shift into place in my life where they're supposed to be So We see here that Jesus it says was God he was equal with God yet. He didn't use that to his own advantage He didn't think of himself, but he thought of others. He thought of you, he thought of me. He cares about you, he cares about me. Uh, He was thinking of you when he was on the cross, when he gave his life for us. And so my prayer is that we get obsessed with him and that shifts our perspective to think more of him, obsessed with him and think more of others. And when that happens in our life, we experience great joy, great joy. Then number two, We choose joy when we put others first by serving. Verse seven says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So Jesus not only thought of others, he served others. He became a servant. Culture says to us, everyone serve me. I'm entitled, you owe me, take care of me. I want everything to go my way. And Jesus did it completely differently. He made himself, it says, nothing. He takes on the very nature of a servant. That's humility. He makes himself nothing. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's a little secret for us I think that we often miss. There is great joy in serving people. Great joy in serving people. When I leave my house with a purpose, you know, I, I, I purpose to say I'm going to look for opportunities to serve other people, whether it's to, to roll the, you know, the neighbor's trash can back down to their house, to slip someone a $20 bill, to pay for someone's coffee, to cut the neighbor's grass, to unload a pallet at Thrive, to feed a hungry child in Nicaragua, to, to feed the teachers at Yorktown Elementary School breakfast. It brings great joy. Amen? You with me? It brings great joy. I'm being like Jesus and the joy of the Lord is flowing in me and through me. When we choose joy, we choose to to serve others. And then last, we choose joy when we go the extra mile and sacrifice. Verse eight says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What a incredible sacrifice. Now let me tell you why this is important, because as we sit here this morning, I am very aware that many of us in the room are struggling in one area of our life or another. There's there's fears in the room, there's addictions in the room, there's people struggling with depression, there's marriages that are all kinds of a mess, and the reality of of our lives, the reality of of marriages in the room are that we're, we're broken, and because things are broken, we begin to feel angry, we begin to feel alone, we begin to feel desperate. We know that our life is a mess and we're struggling, and sometimes we take a step back from that and we say, well, how can, how can God love me in all of this? Well, this verse should be a huge encouragement to you because in this verse we see God leaning towards us and not away from us. Seeing us in all of the mess, even in our worst moments, he doesn't say, you know, you're a loser, forget you, I'm done with you, I don't like you, get out of my life. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't turn his back on us. He doesn't give up on us or walk away from us. He gives his life for us. This is God leaning in towards us and meeting us right where we are in the middle of all the junk, recognizing that he's not repulsed by us. He comes to rescue us. He comes to sacrifice for us. How does he rescue us? How does he remove this condemnation? By dying on the cross, in our place by going all the way to the cross, being obedient to the point of death, even pushing farther, even death on the cross. Our sin and our rebellion and our mistakes and our our past and our present and our future are put on Jesus fully. He absorbs all of them on the cross and he pays the price for us. We can't earn God's love. I can't do all of the right things. The message of Jesus and the message of the cross is not a list of things that I can do. The message of Jesus Christ and the cross is what he's already done for me. That's a beautiful message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The message is that we are all sinners and none of our religious works And deeds and behavior can make us right with God. But Jesus becomes that sacrifice that makes us right for God. He saves us. The The other thing that I just love about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is that he completely outs me. He outed me. He completely outed me. And now that I'm outed, I'm I'm free. I don't know if you've ever experience a time in your life where you're, you're hiding the truth, you're hiding and you're lying, and all of a sudden, as painful as that is, when that lie, when that, that untruth comes out, it's like a relief comes off of your shoulders, even though it's painful and, and hurtful. Jesus on the cross outed me and sets me free. I don't have to pretend to be anything for you. I don't have to pretend that I'm, I've got it all together. I don't have to pretend or play the part. I don't have to be a puppet in any way. I don't have to do any of that. Why? Because I've already been outed. And so have you. He, on the cross, Jesus declared and decreed that every single one of us is broken. Broken. And because he's already outed me now, he absorbs that sin, he absorbs all of that brokenness, and he saves me from it. Anybody get excited about that? So when you talk about sacrifice, there is no greater sacrifice than this. No greater love has anyone than to lay down their life for their friend. That brings me great joy today. But we have to follow that lead. We follow the lead of of Jesus Christ. We sacrifice, and that sacrifice increases our joy. And here's the thing. I think a lot of us, I know in my own life at times too, like, we're willing to serve others until that serving others begins to cost us something. When it costs us something, that's when we step back and we say, no, no, that's a little too far. That's a little too much. We're not willing to go the extra mile or go all the way as Jesus went all the way to the, to the cross, even death on a cross. But when we pay the price, we honor Jesus, we help others, we sacrifice, we step out in faith, we begin to experience this incredible, incredible, joy love demands a sacrifice following jesus demands a sacrifice and so we can you know we can approach that in two ways really we can come to it like it's a burden that we have to bear or we can look at it as a path to great joy and it is a path to great joy he calls us to love he calls us to lay down our lives for one another and we can do that with all of this inner grumbling or we can keep our eyes set on the joy before us. So, when we love one another and it costs us something, joy follows in that. Now, in closing, as the worship team comes, let me read the last few verses here, 9 through 11. It says, therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because because Jesus humbled himself, he was exalted. He was given the name above every name. In fact, it says here that every knee will bow to him, every single knee. Every knee, either by, either by choice, I, I want you to choose it now, or by force later. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every mouth will say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And here we see this humbled servant, Jesus, now greatly exalted. I say we, we exalt him now. I say we lift him up now while we have opportunity here on this earth. So here's the principle of all of this the way up is down and the way down is always up the fastest way to get down and i don't mean like get down with your bad self i mean the fastest way to get down or to go down is to puff yourself up now it might not happen today or tomorrow but it will happen if we puff ourselves up if we exalt ourselves we will we will go down. And if you want to be raised up, then you go down. You humble yourself first. In fact, the first step towards God is humility. It's never pride. Never pride. You don't don't walk up to God and you say, God, take a look at me. (laughs) God, look at what I've done for you, God. Look over here. I am, I am, this is the wrong approach. Like, you know, like I am I am devout. I am religious, deeply religious. I am sincere. Wrong approach. Wrong approach. But if you go to God and you say, God, I've got nothing, I've got nothing to offer. I am broken. I am a sinner. I I need you. I need your forgiveness. I have nothing to offer, but I'll, I'll receive whatever you want to give me. God says, now I'm all about that. I'm all about that. He responds to that. God saves the humble. God listens to the humble. God dwells among the humble. So if you want joy in your life, as simply as I can say it to you, choose Jesus. If you want joy in your life, choose to live your life like Jesus. Follow Jesus. Here's a couple challenges for us as we go. Number one, choose joy by giving your life to Jesus. Make him the anchor of your life. If you've not done that, do that now. Choose Jesus. And number two, choose joy this week by finding a need and filling it. Finding a hurt and healing it. Step into the lives of others. Serve them and sacrifice for them in the same way that Jesus did. For us and you will find great joy amen God we thank you for this incredible this incredible passage of Scripture that points us to you the the greatest name the the name above all other names the one that deserves to be exalted and lifted up we thank you that you stepped outside of all of that Lowered yourself, became nothing for us. Humbled yourself. God, we choose you today. This humble servant who is now highly exalted, we choose you today. We choose to follow you, to live like you. And when we do, we'll have incredible joy. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing the name of Jesus? Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 930 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week, and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.